Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. Ryan Noonan here. Joining me as always is fellow 444 writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. I am corona-free right now and staying healthy, so <laughs> I mean that's that's mostly what matters. How are you doing? You don't even know, man. You could have it. You'd be just hanging out. That's the problem with this thing. It's like they had that food plant the other day in like Missouri. Like 373 people tested positive with like Jeez. zero symptoms. Everyone was asymptomatic. It's like, <laughs> that's some, that's, oh, that's man. scary stuff. So, but uh-huh. we're not here to talk about that and you're not here to listen to that. And uh, we're here to brighten your day and talk about football. Uh, we had the schedule officially come out this week, which is exciting. They were able to ram three hours of schedule release <laughs> TV content down our throats but we are so thirsty for anything that's relevant to real sports and not Sims or old games or esports. So that was pretty awesome. Even though we already knew everyone who everyone was playing, we now know the order and all of those things. So it's super exciting. But we wanted to come on and unpack a little bit of our post-draft thoughts. We um, last joined you for a draft preview pod with our friend in the GOAT, Evan Silva. I um, just want to give you a little bit of a rundown of our takes as far as how the draft went. Um, look at some of the rookie of the year odds that have emerged and the markets are starting to form for those post-draft and then start to give you an overview of uh, the division. We're going to start with the NFC this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to unpack the AFC. And um, yeah, just kind of, like I said, give you a, a 50,000 foot view of how things have shifted from the lines being opened um, as far as win totals, you know, favorites in the division. Things like that. So let's get started, Connor. Talk about the NFC East. Opened up with uh, Philly as the uh, the favorite there at plus 120. Um, both Philly and Dallas projected uh, with nine and a half wins, depending on the market. Um, again, you really don't see massive shifts in win totals from free agency or even the draft. What you typically see more times than not is you'll see just movement in the line itself. So Dallas is holding a nine and a half in most places. Um, like I said, same as Philly. But Dallas has moved from uh, plus 130 to win the division to minus 105, taking a slight edge as the favorite over the Eagles there. Dallas had a good draft, man. I don't know about that defense, but uh, I know that Silva would approve. CeeDee Lamb was... Uh, arguably the best receiver in a loaded receiver core and fell to them at 17. And that is now an absolutely loaded offense. I guess, give me your thoughts on the CD land pick and, and talk to me about the uh, NFC East. Yeah, I loved it. I think that they, they decided to strengthen their strength instead of, you know, kind of address like a minor point of their weakness, which is either defense. Um, and I think that a lot of this kind of my take here is that I like, I mean, Dak, now MVP odds. You're looking. I'm sure you were getting better odds before, but now he's still at 12 to one to win the MVP. I think that that's probably worth playing a little bit. Um, I mean, this offense here with you're placing Randall Cobb with C.D. Lamb, and now you all still have Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, a formidable offensive line, and a real coach. You know, like there's a lot of things moving in his favor, and like we said, the defense is bad. Like Dak is not just being able to coast and um, you know run the ball. 30 times a game, I think that they're going to be able to have to throw a little bit here. So I'm, I'm expecting that, you know, Dak will kind of make that next step forward in terms of production and potentially contend for MVP. I don't, I don't know if that's super hot. I know that's been going around on Twitter a little bit, but I think at the, at the odds right now, like 12 to one still isn't bad. I know it's towards the top, but I think it's worth playing a little bit. 
Yeah, twelve one's still good. Like you said, I mean, they're basically replacing like hundred and sixty plus targets for Randall Cobb and and Jason Witten, and it's going to be Blake Jarwin and, and CD Lamb. It's going to be uh, it'll be fun. They should have some um, some fun totals. They should have some fun DFS uh, tied to them as well. So um, and they have looking at the strength of schedule based on Vegas wins. I know this is some stuff that uh, Sharp Football has been doing for a while, which is really great. And, you know, pretty straightforward when you think about it based on you know what we're looking at vegas to do telling us as far as the win totals instead of looking at you know previous season stuff um, they're looking at the ninth easiest schedule so should be some shootouts there the other team um that they're tied with i guess as far as win total in the division here is the eagles eagles had an interesting draft they were able to snatch receiver like everyone thought they would in the first round jalen rager everyone wasn't sure that it'd be rager per se but adding some speed on the outside is probably a good move for them they also added Jalen Hurts. What were your thoughts on the Hurts move? Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. You muted, bud. Shit. Yeah, yeah all right. Um, so, I mean, I, I didn't really think it was that bad of a pick. You know, some people really criticized it. I thought it was kind of some interesting insurance. They're taking a, a high upside player that... While he might not be, you know, your ideal backup, I think that he could be used, you know, early on in some kind of, you know, Taysom Hill kind of role in a, in some sense. But um, really, I think he's just more of like a high upside backup that if he can, if he's developing during camp, you know, you can potentially trade him away to a team who needs a quarterback. I don't know. I, I think that it was, I don't know about spending a second round pick on him. I think that he has upside, but I'm not really sure about that in terms of his NFL quarterback upside as like a starter. I, for me, I can't get out of my mind those seasons at Alabama where he just could not throw the ball like he like couldn't do it he was so inaccurate he was basically used as like a you know running back for most of the time and I know a lot of that was system based but still it was, it was tough you know and I think that Lincoln Riley helped out a lot of his weaknesses you know at Oklahoma so well you know we got a guy up there who in the hell is Mel Kiper in a way for me it's it's something that doesn't really move the needle in terms of uh the Eagles but I do think that the Eagles are an interesting post-hype sleeper team, you know, from last year. I think that, you know, last your year hype. they, they – Yeah, were my hype. hype. I know, I know, I know. You were all so in, man. I was all in. And, and you know what? I think that they are an interesting team this year because, you know, they had a lot of injuries and their secondary didn't really pan out. Now they added Darius Slay. Um, now they're receiving core. You're looking at Jalen Ragor, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. And then you're looking at a good pass catching back with Miles Sanders. I mean, it's, I think the offense is stacked and the defense, the secondary just needs to play like decent. That's what you're looking at for a team that should make the playoff. And you're in an, in the NFC where, I mean, the 49ers are obviously good, but, um, I don't think that they're like the Chiefs and the Ravens, I think prevent, present more of a difficulty for a, a like a random team to kind of break into that you know, um, Super Bowl race, in my opinion, at least. So I think that there's some upside there. You're looking at them 10 to 1 to win the NFC, 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, for a team with a nine and a half win total, and I would say almost certainly should make the playoffs, uh, I don't think it's a bad bet at all for like looking at that. Are you with that at all? Or you think I'm crazy still riding off last year's hype? Or No, I think you make good points. I think that the NFC is to be had. I feel like the Ravens and Chiefs are definitely more prominent in the in the AFC, so I think that there is some room for a team to kind of solidify themselves in the NFC. We had Philly opened as plus 800 to win the conference, and now they're basically plus 1,100 everywhere. So uh, moving in the other direction, 
as they become you know basically the betting second place team in the uh, in the division there i really like the cowboys though i mean I know it's obvious they were. I believe they were one in six in one score games last year, and that, and that's we've seen over the years that you know there's some regression of the mean there. That's probably not going to happen. Um, obviously, a new coach um, with McCarthy in there and getting rid of Jason Garrett. I think that there are some some good things that could be happening there. But Philly is strong as well. I mean, it definitely is just like last year going to be one of those two teams. I know you've already written up here at four for four your stance on the Giants taking the under at six and a half wins. I think that that's a really sharp play. They also have the second most difficult schedule in the league this year. Um, they've gone from plus 800 to plus 1100. That's probably going to continue to move. And obviously the Redskins are still in rebuilding mode. They have a difficult schedule as well. And they're, um, you know, between five, five and a half different books as far as their win total plus 1600 at this point to win the division. So I definitely think it's between one of those two teams. And uh, with the expanded playoffs, now we're looking at seven teams getting into the playoffs this year which is definitely something to be, um, you know, for us to talk about once we break down division by division when we're looking at playoff odds. You know, it feels like there's a there's a path for both Dallas and Philly to get into the, the dance there, and anything can happen in the playoffs. So um, I think that those are definitely the two teams that are head and shoulders above everyone else. The NFC North was really interesting. Um, obviously, the Packers draft was what everyone was talking about post-draft. Very similar. It felt kind of like a two-horse race uh, when the odds opened up. The Packers were a small favorite ahead uh, of the Vikings, plus 135. The Vikings right behind them at plus 140. It's still Green Bay as a slight favorite, but really the entire division has all kind of come to the middle. You know, the, the Bears uh, the line is moving in their favor, and then the Joe Pano special, the <laughs> Detroit Lions. I don't, I don't see it, but uh, the Lions have moved from plus 900 to plus 700. Talk to me about the uh, the NFC North, and I guess kick us off with the Packers draft. Yeah, I mean, that was just an absolute shit show. They, they picked a, a backup quarterback in the first round and then doubled down by picking, you know, Plotter, A.J. Dillon yeah. uh, in the second round. And Treated so, I mean, up for Jordan Love, too, man, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's a thing. Like, they, they just really leveraged other draft capital to lock up a guy that they just they can't use when we thought that they were kind of a noisy playoff team last year to begin with oh yeah i mean so i actually before the draft i took them under nine and a half with a little bit of juice uh it was like minus 125 or something like that which you know in hindsight i wish i'd put more on but i did you know like a half unit on that just because like you said you know they were a noisy playoff team they were basically one of the luckiest teams in the league and somehow you know parlayed that into um you know, a good playoff appearance and good playoff run, but really, I don't think that they were that good of a team. You know, based on most of the metrics that we've talked about at length and we'll talk about, you know, going forward. But yeah, so I, I think that they're closer to an eight-win team this year, and this division in general is kind of just—it's tough to decipher. But yeah, I'm, I'm not in on taking Detroit uh, to win the division. It would take a lot for them to win the division. That's kind of when you look at these long shots, I think that you need to see uh, a reasonable opportunity for that to happen. Like for Detroit to win the division, the bears defense would have to be bad along with Trubisky slash Foles being bad. It would also, it would require the Packers regressing significantly. And then it would also require the Vikings who are a good, very, very good team to their defense, not to play well. And for their offense to be just really, really struggling. So like all of those things happening in one season, 
in addition to Matthew Stafford staying healthy, seems like a, just a really far stretch. Like I would handicap that closer to like ten to one instead of what it's at right now, which is like seven to one, even down to five and a half to one at DraftKings. I know that Joe and some other people in the betting community like them to potentially win the division. I mean, maybe the upside's there if Stafford stays healthy, but I think that, that alone is just a huge if, along with all the other factors I talked about. Their defense is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Right? Like, I, yeah. The defense is terrible. We talked about, you know, when we were looking at draft props and we're trying to, you know, mock Jeff Akuda there, but then we're like, hey, maybe you know they could use a defensive lineman. Like the Derek Brown stuff started to get some some smoke about a week before the draft, and it seemed like a bad pick, per, probably. But like they also have such a gaping hole at defensive line where it was like, all right, I guess that that would make sense too. And that thing that just speaks to the ineptitude of the defense there, and you know. Matt Patricia is going to get some talk as like a defensive mind. Like that's, we've seen it for 20 something years. All the coordinators that have come in and out of new England, all the defensive coordinators that have gone and not had success. It's Belichick's defense. And this guy is one of the guys that gets to call the plays. It's not like it was Patricia's defense. Yes. He was had, you know, Belichick and had his ear for, you know, a, a decade. But uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. They have no talent on that side of the ball, and there there are some offensive uh, skill position players here in this division that are going to cause them problems. I loved Minnesota's draft. You know, they had two first rounders. They added Justin Jefferson. You know, Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU, was projected to be a first rounder. You know, had basically first round odds based on the sports books. They were able to snatch him up later in the first round. Um, Ezra Cleveland was another guy that people were talking about him going in like the top ten. As an offensive lineman, they were able to snatch him up um, way later. Um, Cameron Dantzler, another corner, like they got rid of Xavier Rhodes, like so probably Gladney and Dantzler will probably need to contribute right away. But um, now that we're getting a nice number on them, plus 170 to win the division, that seems like something I'm I'm really interested. I'm not really buying the Bears. Um, I think that obviously Foles is is probably a good move for them. I think you probably agree that moving off of MVP Mitch and onto Foles is probably plus EV for them. Uh, they do have the easiest schedule in the division too, and I think the easiest schedule in the entire NFC. So that's nice. And, and they have weird, a weird market for their win total. Um, I can't find an eight out there, but there are seven and a halfs and eight and a halfs. So there's like an arbitrage opportunity right there. If you think the Bears are going to go eight and eight, you can hammer that. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the Bears? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Foles right now is minus three hundred to be the starter, which. I actually think it's probably too high. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that they're just like knowing Ryan Pace, like I think that there's going to be some kind of take lock there with like at least trying to give Mitch like a chance, you know, during training camps if, if they happen, you know, or at least like preseason, um, just kind of like at least kind of letting them battle it out. I don't really think that they're just going to give Foles the job. I mean, like why even keep Trubisky around? Like he's just like, you know, like at what point is he like there's, he's doing more damage as a backup than he is really like, you know, actually. Like competing, I think they're gonna try and let him compete. You know, maybe Foles wins, but minus three hundred is way too much. I think, in my opinion, I mean, I think Foles is a better player, um, especially at this point of the career. But a mobile Mitchell Trubisky who's healthy, I mean, he flashed at some points, you know, during his second year, uh, and obviously he was not very good last year. But at the same time, I think that he showed some upside in some points when he was fully healthy. So I don't know. I think that that whole minus 300 thing is kind of ridiculous. I think they're they're overplaying, you know, like how much people don't like Mitchell Trubisky and how bad he is. So I, I would probably handicap it closer to like, you know, Nick Foles being like a slight favorite 
maybe minus 150 to be the starter at this point. Um, and as far as the team as a whole, I think it, it's just going to ride on their defense and whether their offense ends up clicking. Like we see basically last year, it was just a slew of miscues, you know, where Nagy would call a terrible play and, you know, Trubisky would have no shot or Nagy called a great play. Guy was wide open. Trubisky would miss the wide open guy. It was just like never meshed. So really, if that can mesh, I think that they're a reasonable team that could make the playoffs with a solid defense. Um, if it doesn't match, like it, it's going to be probably a, a sub below average season. I'm not really touching the win total at seven and a half. I'd probably, I think they're an eight and eight team to be honest. Like they'll pull off a few wins here, here and there, but I, I don't really have too much conviction on them either way. Yeah. You can get that middle, um, pretty easily. We knew that the, you know, they benefited massively from an easy schedule a couple seasons ago and that defense was outstanding and took advantage of it. They obviously came back to earth a little bit last year. But we're still solid, uh, eighth in defensive DVOA. But unfortunately, like you mentioned, 25th in offensive DVOA. It's just not going to get it done, even with a great D. So if they take a step forward, I think that you know eight and eight is probably where they're at. I think maybe a nine win ceiling, but I, I'd probably I'd probably be under that too. So it's not a, a win total I'd want to jump on either. Any interest in um, you know some long odds here for? Um, DeAndre Swift, the running back from Detroit, um, you can get his rookie of the year odds. This is really why we talk about it. If you get the opportunity and you have the ability to to have access to all the markets out there, you really want to have exposure to as many books as possible to find the best line. Um, Swift is plus 1,200 for rookie of the year on DraftKings, plus 900 on FanDuel. So if you're interested there, obviously getting him at 12 to 1 is a, is a better line. That's an interesting backfield that we don't have to dive into the fantasy ramifications but obviously they've invested in the backfield in the last couple years and now they go ahead and and add swift any interest there or what do you like for his prospects this season yeah i don't know i mean i think for him to be in consideration for rookie of the year he would need to like carry on johnson would have to get injured um and so like even at that point then you're looking at him competing with a quarterback who's going to start week one joe burrow uh for the Bengals, who has good weapons you know i know he's chalk but like he just has, he, he's already there, you know, in a good position to, even if he has an okay season, like a decent season, like he's well ahead of anyone else, I'm barring Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, busting off like 15 t- touchdowns or something. Um, which, so I don't know. I, it, for me, I don't really have too much interest in betting rookie of the year at all. Um, because I think Burrow's too much of a chalk player looking at him at like plus 225. Um, whereas like he suffers, an, he suffers any kind of injury or setback at all. Like he's, He's really, you're like, you know, just burning money there. Um, and the odds really aren't long enough for like that kind of factor to happen, I think. Um, whereas, you know, betting one of these guys like Swift, uh, I don't know. I'm just not super interested in it. I would guess that if I was going to take a long shot guy, it would be more like Cam Akers at 20 to 1, um, where like he has a legitimate shot to be their workhorse from day one, I guess, even like competing with Daryl Henderson um and malcolm brown i would say that he has a better chance to have workhorse duties on a team that's at least shown some kind of you know competence in the past uh, offensively yeah yeah i mean we banged the book last year on uh on kyler murray i mean that was the same situation yeah it was just like the odds were even though they were short, uh, just, they were yeah it was just like hey it's that's by far the best it's the best yeah. number out there and you know taking these long shots at rookie of the year's Probably not the best uh, investment for your for your cash to sit out there for a couple of months. So, NFC South really interesting division. Obviously, with all that's happened in Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay opened at plus five hundred, and they are now uh, plus uh, one thirty to win the division. Still, the Saints division here to lose as far as the books are concerned. The Saints minus one hundred five 
after opening up. Um, they opened at 155, so it's definitely moving the other way. You can find tens, tens and a half for New Orleans. Tampa's moved from, I believe you can get them at seven and a half before the Brady stuff. And now you're looking at nine and a half and 10 everywhere. You know, it's going to be an interesting ride watching uh, Tom and Rob uh, getting their, their uh, Florida on. But uh, I, the thing is, is like it, it's moving the wrong way and it's definitely late, but I still think that that number is a little low. If you can catch a nine and a half, I feel like it's, I feel like I'm still interested in it, even though it kind of feels like you're not getting the best number and it kind of feels chalky. Uh, talk to me about the Bucks. Yeah, I, I think we mentioned this on one of our past pods. Uh, maybe maybe it was just in discussion. But so originally when uh, Brady went to the Bucks with Bruce Arians, I was kind of like, you know, that doesn't really seem like a good scheme fit. Um, but then once you dive deeper, you kind of look at when Bruce Arians uh, met with like Ben Roethlisberger and when we worked with Andrew Luck. Basically, it was like if the quarterback was ready to implement his own scheme and what he felt most comfortable with, that's what they were going to do. You know, like so when Brady comes to Tampa Bay, it's not going to be this, you know, insanely vertical scheme that Bruce Arians run in the past with Jameis Winston um, and Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck, guys with like, you know, really good arms that can sling it downfield. It's going to be whatever the hell Brady wants to do. Like he is going to implement his scheme exactly what he wants. And so. For that, like you're, I think that this is actually, in that sense, a great fit because you're looking at Tom Brady, you know, Chris Godwin, Gronk now, Mike Evans is still legitimate. Uh, I mean, like they they have a lot of good weapons on a pretty solid team with the defense that, uh, according to some analytics, is was underrated last season. And so I don't know. I think that you're right. Probably nine and a half is a bit too low, um, but. I don't know. It's it'll be tough to kind of see him in another offense and really like how much, you know, Bill Belichick kind of mattered to him. But at this point, like, I mean, he's so he's so deep into the league and kind of like what I just talked about before, like he can implement exactly what they were doing, you know, in New England. He just might not have the scheming advantages that Bill Belichick was able to give him um, on a week to week basis that he looked he that he figured out from uh, studying film. I don't know. At least that's kind of how I perceived it. Are you? You're on the Bucks over, you said. Does that, does that ring true with you, I guess, for their offense? Yeah, and he said it the other day. He was very uh, – Arians came out and said, like, it's going to be collaborative. Like, yeah. we have what we want to do, but we want to know what he likes and what kind of plays he likes. And I feel like they have the weapons to adapt to any of those things. I mean, obviously adding Gronk is great, but, uh, you know, O.J. Howard and Cam Brate are very capable – Scotty Miller, you know, they have different guys that they can do different things with. I feel like you can do pretty much anything you want with Chris Godwin, obviously having a deep threat in Evans. Like I'm also on, and I'm like really on an Island by myself. I, I then I'm biased. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's washed. I think that they had <laughs> a really injured offensive line last year. And I think he was protecting himself. He didn't hang in. He had some really inaccurate throws. Like he was not, um, standing in there to take it. And I think if they could protect him, obviously getting Tristan Warps is huge. You know, if they can get some sort of semblance out of the running game from anyone not named Ronald Jones, I think that's going to be awesome for them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the schedule looks nice too. Like the last seven weeks or something like that, like they're either at home in Florida or they're in a dome. Like they're not, they're not going to be outside very often. I think that that kind of fits well for them. And you mentioned like they didn't do a great job at stopping the pass and I feel like they've made some improvements there. Um, they were really stout against the run. And I think just obviously ball control is going to be different. The turnover margin is going to be 
it's obviously been overblown, but obviously Tom is going to protect the ball more than Jameis did last year, and I think that it's going to set them up um, to be a better team and in a better position. And I think that they can catch some wins with the bottom half of this division. You know, Atlanta, I really thought that they had a poor draft and don't feel like they've really taken any steps to improve. Carolina's going to be interesting. I actually think that they're a, there's a little bit of value on them at five and a half. Like they took nothing but defensive players in their draft. They added Brown, Gross Matos, who everyone thought might be a first rounder. Um, Jeremy Chin, who I thought was a really interesting safety prospect, small school at Southern Illinois. Troy Pride from Notre Dame at corner. Like, because they're pretty solid on offense. Bringing in Matt Rule as the coach, and then Joe Brady, who is the guy who's basically been, you know, the guy that's been touted as making Joe Burrow Joe Burrow. Like, with the weapons that they have offensively, they're going to be fun. Like, they're going to be fun for fantasy, they're going to be fun for DFS. Um, but if their defense is even somewhat decent, like Atlanta might be the worst team here in this division. So I'm in the Saint with the Saints bandwagon. I've been in the Saints since we started <laughs> doing this pod. Yeah. Uh, like three years ago. Like I feel like the Saints have probably one of the best rosters in football. I think that some people didn't like their draft, but I felt like it's a pretty good win now draft. And uh I think that they're pretty loaded too. So Tampa and New Orleans is gonna be fun. Any thoughts on Atlanta or Carolina, their draft or their prospects for the season? Yeah, I'm kicking myself that I don't live in a state where gambling is legalized that has Caesars because Caesars Sportsbook opened up Teddy Bridgewater's passing yards prop at 2,999 yards. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, well, they I just mean, don't he, think he's going to play? I, yeah, so I don't even know. Like that's that's where I saw this and I was like, okay, so he has to average more than 188 yards per game passing if he plays 16 games. So I was like, okay, that's like outrageous. Like this is like – five to 600 yards off. Um, and That's so they, insane. yeah, they moved that up like literally five to 600 yards since speaking. Um, and I think that's probably closer to right, but even still might be a little too low um, given the weapons, like you said. So I don't know. I think that I took a, you know, a small position on the Redskins winning more or the Panthers winning more games than the Redskins this year, uh, just because I thought that the Panthers were a better team. I like that. Um, yeah. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. I don't really have too many takes on the Falcons here. I think you you covered that pretty well, but I do I'm a believer in Joe Brady. I think that you know what he did with LSU, um, like we saw whatever before, like they were running like just some old school offense, you know, where there was just run the ball before, like jam it down their throats. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, it wasn't even like watchable. And then now then they changed from that to Joe Burrow throwing like 60 touchdowns in a season. Like I mean, guy who's like obviously a great player with great weapons, but you know that's a, a massive, massive transformation quickly. So I'm just really excited to see that offense. I don't know, I don't know how, what it's going to look like or how it's going to go, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, I mean Ian Thomas to get him in there instead of Dusty Greg Olson added Robbie Anderson. You know they didn't trade Curtis Samuel. There's a lot of drafts, you know, rumors mm-hmm. around trading him. Obviously DJ Moore's a stud. He could take a step forward. We know what Christian McCaffrey is. The offensive line's pretty solid. And, um, yeah, I mean, if their defense is even somewhat decent, it's awful. It was awful heading into the draft. So, obviously, expecting to get massive contributions from four or five rookies is, is a big ask. But, um, you know, to get over that threshold of, of five wins, five and a half wins is, is doable. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn was Evan's favorite running back outside of that first tier. Really nice landing spot for him in Tampa. You know, if he can – Ronald Jones can't catch a cold, and we know that – Everyone else on that backfield is is nothing anyway. So um, Keyshawn Vaughn, from a fantasy perspective, could be pretty interesting. Not really interested in betting him from a rookie of the year perspective, but uh, in early best ball drafts and, and looking at some of the rankings, he's 
pretty viable and could be pretty interesting with an offense that uh, you know could put up a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's kind of like a, a fine late round swing. I don't know. I'm interested to see where his ADP ends up. Um, like right now, over at four for four, like looking at the ADP from FFPC and the Best Ball Tens. Um, like Ronald Jones is still going slightly out of him, it looks like, but that might just be due to like pre-draft, uh, you know, ADP kind of influencing that a little bit. But I, I would assume they'll probably end up kind of similar until we start hearing reports of like who's going to be used more uh, and how that goes. I really don't know. I think that whichever one does kind of carve out a bigger role will probably be a value just because, like you said, that offense is going to be good. Um, they're going to probably score a good amount of touchdowns, and that's what you want. You got a touchdown upside, and then. I mean, he can actually catch the ball, Vaughn can, so pass catching upside with the quarterback like Brady. I mean, that's probably a good late-round swing there. But right now, rookies are just being massively hyped in fantasy. Like, it is insane. I tweeted it out, and I got a little bit of pushback there. But you're seeing, you know, Clyde Edwards go at the top of the second sometime. You're seeing uh, Jonathan Taylor, like, early third round. Yeah. Um, a guy who, like, might, might not even start the season as their lead running back. Um, like J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift going like early fourth round. I mean, people are out of their damn minds. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I would like, I will fight people who disagree with me on how, like, where these guys should be going. And I'm going to be fading them until they're moved down a couple of rounds each, pretty much, for all these guys. Yeah. They're going, they're going early and early. I think the only one that's probably not going to drop, and I am with you until we see something emerge, is there's enough hype around. Clyde Edwards Hilaire right now. Yeah. He's only going to mm-hmm. continue to move. Like he's, he'll probably settle in the second round. Yeah. Similar to where Damian Williams was last year. There's still questions, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he's going to go, but I, I agree with you. I think all the other ones are, are being significantly overdrafted for sure. Uh, Atlanta, by the way, worth noting uh, most difficult schedule in the league this year. So fading them and, and that could be another place for offense and fantasy. They're going to have to pass a lot. Their defense isn't great. And, uh, and there could be some some fantasy points tied to them, but from a, a win total perspective and, and looking at them from a division standpoint, like pretty much a hard pass there. Uh, NFC West, really interesting division, obviously with San Francisco, who basically was just manipulating, playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. They moved their first round pick to the Colts by, or, you know, get a first round pick with the Colts by trading out and trading out Forrest Buckner, but basically draft a younger, cheaper replacement in uh, Javon Kinlaw. And uh, they just maneuvered really well in the draft. I really like what they did. Um, they opened up as a plus 105 favorite in the division. That's now moved to minus 105, pretty much across the board, 10 and a half wins as the favorite here in the division. Seattle's second there. You can find nine, nine and a half out there in most places. But again, the odds are gone the other way. Again, San Francisco really getting a, um, lockstep there as far as the uh, totals go. The Rams really can't find anyone that really thought they did a good job in the draft. Uh, they opened it plus 270 all the way to plus 400 now. Not a lot of interest there. And Arizona was really interesting. Um, obviously, you have to consider part of their draft haul was their pre-draft trade of DeAndre Hopkins, which was just absolute thievery. Um, basically getting human Swift, Swiss Army knife Isaiah Simmons in the first round too. And another guy that everyone thought was going to go in the first round was Josh Jones uh, tackle out of Houston. He fell and basically they were able to address the offensive line, which everyone thought they probably should do in the first round with the Simmons pick by getting Jones later. So really like what Arizona did there. Uh, Talk to me about the NFC West. 
Yeah, I don't have a ton of takes on on this division, actually. I would say that I think that maybe San Francisco might be a little bit overrated um, going into the season. Ten and a half wins is, is a lot. I mean, the defense is good, but I was talking about this with, uh, you know, Pano the other day about how teams who with on offense have relied on um, like a scheme kind of to be good and not really on their quarterback and have like suspect quarterback play, which we've seen Garoppolo really, he's had some good games and he's had some really bad games where he's looked pretty bad. And I think that that's similar that we've seen over the se- over the years with guys like Jared Goff, Mitchell Trubisky, um, who are kind of like their schemes are great and they have a great season um, surrounding a team that is also very good. And then the following years, they kind of get a little bit more exposed. And so I'm not really as excited about San Francisco. I know that their roster as a whole is a lot better than those examples that I named. But, um, I mean, I think that there's just a little bit more volatility with a team like that than, than you would expect for a team like, you know, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes um, or another, you know, Super Bowl favorite type of team. And I'm, I'm not really saying that they're going to be awful or anything, but could they regress to being more of like an eight win team or a nine win team? I think that that's possible, especially in a division with Seattle, who I'm not a huge fan of their philosophies. I think they're still a good team though overall and, you know, let Russ cook whenever they are down. Like I think that they can all come back from pretty much anything. And they played San Francisco close in pretty much every game. Uh, the Rams last season were obviously at a massive down year, but uh, I mean, McVeigh started to figure it out towards the end, and like, I think that there's a potential chance for them to ba- bounce back a little bit and be in that nine-win range. And then the Cardinals, like, I mean, they are a very interesting team this year that could take a huge step forward. So they're in a really tough division, and while the, the schedule as a whole might not be, uh, I mean, crazy, they're very San Francisco schedule is like 17th right now, so it's pretty much you know moot. Like, there's not really much of a point to be made on the strength of schedule. I think that their division is tough, so. Um, I don't know. I think I'm not really saying they're going to be bad and I don't have a total take on it, but I think that in terms of betting a Super Bowl team, I would probably avoid them. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't love the over 10 and a half. I don't love the division as a whole. I think Arizona's on the come for sure. Obviously the betting market likes what they've done. They opened it plus 2000 to win the division all the way up to plus 750 now, which is nice, but they're still, you know, there's six and a half sevens out there for their win total. You know, I think them getting to eight and eight is nice. Seattle, I'm just down on. Like, I, I, you can get nine, nine and a half out there. So, I could see San Fran falling short of that ten and a half, maybe going ten and six. But I still feel like they should be the strong favorite to win the division. Um, the Rams, I just, I don't understand with all the needs that they had. This is their fourth straight year of not having a first round pick. First pick they have, they go out and grab Cam Akers, who we talked about on the pod, like. I was really high, you know, high on him. I was, I kept pushing Silva because Silva didn't have him in his top tier, and I really thought he should be there, you know. So I think he's pretty viable for fantasy, like you said. I mean, they traded up last year to add Earl Henderson. You know, they still have Malcolm Brown. They thought their first pick needed to be a running back, which I think is pretty suspect. They go ahead, and then their next pick is a redundant slot receiver that doesn't profile as like a massive outside win, you know, contested catch receiver at the NFL level, kind of redundant with what they have with Cooper Cup. So didn't love what they did at the, the draft. And yeah, I mean, I feel like they're, there's some value on them on the under. I really don't think that they're back to where they should have been in the past. So I can see them all falling a little short, but I still think San Fran is, is definitely the bell of the ball in the West. Yeah. I mean, that that's fair. I think it's, it's just tough because their defense is super, super good. Um, 
I think that the the running back situation is something probably we'll have to look for in fantasy, and that will probably be something we will talk about in the future. Where with Raheem Mostert and you know Jarek McKinnon still healing up there, because I think that they're going to keep continue to ride their running game, you know, as long as it's being efficient, um, mm. like it was. So um, I think I mean Tevin Coleman too as well. I think he could be you know a bit of a value. Uh, Raheem Mostert right now going in like the fourth round sometimes in drafts and. I think that's a bit rich considering uh, Shanahan's history of, you know, utilizing different running backs like week to week, basically, even after Mostert like busted out um, like 100 yards or two touchdowns or something like week 17. Uh, he didn't even start the first playoff game for the 49ers. It was like Breda who got like three carries. And then you saw Coleman go off like the next week. And then the only reason that Mostert went off the week after was because Coleman got injured in the first like uh, six plays and he had like 30 yards in the first drive. He was just going to go bananas too. So do we really know that Mostert is even the guy? Like, yeah, sure, he's good on a good team. But in the fourth round, I mean, that is, that's rich. He should be like a sixth, sixth round pick like where Coleman was last year. Yeah. But the other thing that was part of their draft was they traded for Trent Williams, which didn't cost them a ton. That's true. Yeah. You know, it makes, it solidifies. Obviously, they, you know, it's Joe Stanley left, but, you know, it just, it kind of solidifies that run game. And they know what they're doing. They're total DVOA, second last year defensively and seventh for offense. I mean, adding Brandon Ayuk, I think was a really nice pick. Um, I think Debo Samuel continues to take steps forward. So there is just a lot of talent there to your point, whether or not Garoppolo really takes that next step. I think they could probably be good enough, even if he's just kind of mediocre with everything else around him. So, yeah, I mean, Jeff Wilson too is still there in San Francisco. <laughs> like that dude would have, you know, Matt Burita would have 150 total yards and, you know, Moster would pop for 95 and, Jeff Wilson would have two touchdowns. You want to punch yourself in the face for uh, rostering any of them in DFS. Yeah, I don't think that that situation is going away. I think you can get uh, most of a little bit later in uh, in MFL 10s and, you know, best ball over there, but uh, still probably a little rich for what you're talking about. I mean, these scenarios are going to play themselves out the same way. It's going to it's gonna suck. So oh, yeah. caref- careful there. So it, running back, man, I just – Again, this is not a fantasy pod and not a fantasy topic, but running back falls off a cliff this year. It is like, I don't know if it's the worst zero running back season or like the best because like they're just a small handful of dudes. And then it's like just there's a bunch of guys that are going to have some value for different weeks. And it's just going to be, it's, it's just hard. It's very, it's very, very hard this year. Yeah. You need to come out of the first few rounds with a running back. Otherwise, you are just going to be like going nuts during the season playing running back, you know, like rotations and guessing and streaming and yeah. it'll make your team have way, way more, much more work when wide receivers way more deep. Anyways, no more fantasy. This is a, this is a gambling pod where, uh, <laughs> we've been told it's a gambling pod. So yeah, sorry. it's a, it is a gambling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so any, you know, just overview before we wrap it up. You know, emerging favorite or someone you think that you like to come out of the NFC or looking at some of the odds that are out there. Um, is there a, a number that you like as far as uh, representing the NFC in the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I, I met, touched on it a little bit. Eagles 10 to 1, I think is interesting. Um, other than that, I mean, cool. yeah, I know. And I mean, Saints 7 to 1 is not bad. Cowboys at 9 to 1 isn't bad either. I think that's kind of like that range that I would probably look at is the guys who aren't chalk. Like, you know, 49ers are plus 475 at DraftKings. Bucks are 6 to 1. Um, and I think both of those are fine, but I don't, just not sure that's enough value for me, um, to consider like betting on these 
teams to really, you know, represent the NFC here, I would probably go towards that like nine, ten, uh, like seven to eleven range kind of would be where I would look in this category. So like Saints, Cowboys, and Eagles would probably be what I would consider. Yeah, I'm with you. Saints, I think Saints, Cowboys. Like be sold on the Eagles. I think Minnesota, depending on what you can get that line. Like I don't love that. Like I, I'm not sold. I need to see that twelve. Defense. Yeah, yeah. I could see fourteen on bet online, but mm-hmm. still not not great. But uh, like you said, I think it's more open. But I still think it's pretty it's pretty top heavy. Um, some of these divisions seem like they have you know two really strong, very likely playoff teams, and then the rest of it's kind of crappy. So there could be some soft wins here depending on how the schedule breaks for you. So awesome. Well, that's all we got for you this week. Anything else for listeners, Connor? Um, not too much. I'll be releasing an article on uh, the Seattle backfield coming up here in the next few days. And other than that, we'll probably have some uh, new bets coming up. Our projections are coming out, releasing soon for at 4 for 4, like the season-long projections. And so we are going to use those to leverage sportsbook player prop projections and uh, write up some articles. So that'll be coming out in the next few weeks as well. Awesome. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. You can find the pod over there as well at Move the Line NFL. And uh, we'll be back next week with the uh, AFC. Thanks for listening. Ha <laughs> ha